today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Every time we partake together of the Lord's table, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, the account we affectionately refer to as the Last Supper. You know what the key word in this is? It's the word remember. What am I to remember? Oh, don't remember your sin. Remember Jesus who paid for the sin. That's what you're to remember. His body broken for you. His blood shed for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. It's hard to control your thoughts. The Bible tells us to think on things that are lovely and pure. But why is it so difficult? Today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that if God forgets our sins, what is it that we're supposed to remember? What are we supposed to hold on to? The guilt we feel stays with us, but Jesus wants us to remember his sacrifice instead. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We are currently going through the book of Hebrews. We're going to pick it up in chapter 10, and Lord willing, we'll make it through 2 verse 22. So you can follow along as I read, beginning in verse 1, the writer of Hebrews, by the Holy Spirit, writes, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, verse 2, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible, verse 4, for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, verse 7, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First, he said, verse 8, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings, and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, verse 11, every priest stands. That's because there's no place to sit. 
We'll talk about that. Just hang on. None of the furnishings in the tabernacle and subsequently the temple had any place to sit because the work was never finished. The sacrifices had to be continual. And that's what he's saying here. But when the priest had offered for all time, we're verse 12 right now, for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down, speaking of Jesus, at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Can't wait. For by one sacrifice, verse 14, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. That's a quote from Jeremiah. Then he adds, verse 17, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Wow. So I want to talk with you today, and this is not hyperbole, I want to talk to you today about a life-changing truth concerning Jesus taking all of our guilt and all of our shame away, once and for all. So we don't have to be any longer crushed under the weight of the devil's condemnation because of what Jesus did. Jesus did it all once and for all. So it's like this, the new covenant under Christ, under grace, in Christ. It's not do, do, do. It's done, done, done. That's why he, okay, we might as well get this out of the way. Um, that's why he's seated at the right hand of the Father. When do you sit down? When the work is finished. Have you ever had an employer say to you, what are you doing sitting down? We got work to do. Oh, sorry. I'm just talking about myself. I had an employer say that to me. There was no place in the tabernacle and subsequently in the temple where that priest could ever sit down. The lampstand had to be continually lit. The table of showbread had to be continually furnished with bread, fresh bread every day. There was no time that any of the sacrifices, any of the priestly services performed in that tabernacle were ever finished. They were continual. And then Christ comes. 
And this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. No need anymore. It's done. It's finished. He did it. You don't have to do it anymore. He did it. It's done. It's finished. And that's why he's seated. Now, we have a problem. (laughs) And we need to resolve this problem. Here's the problem. Today's teaching is one that the enemy does not want you to hear. And he will do something. He will put something in your mind, some distraction. Something will come to your mind during today's teaching. And it's like, oh yeah, I got to do that today. And then he got you. And you're going to miss it. And so I'm going to just ask you to allow the Holy Spirit to have your undivided attention. And don't allow the enemy to distract you so you miss what the Lord has for you today. Because I promise you on the authority of God's Word and in my own relationship with the Lord, that this will change your Christian life. What we have here before us today will change your Christian life. You know, I always know that I made a really good decision when my only regret is that I didn't make it sooner. You know how that is? Oh, I wish I would have done this sooner. Early on in my Christian life, I lived under this do, 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 and I was crushed under the weight of it. I lived with guilt and condemnation, and I just gave the enemy an open check to write in the amount. And I just signed it and said, here you go. And he crushed me under the weight of that guilt and condemnation. And I needed the much needed reminder that's here in Hebrews throughout the book, really. Really, it's replete throughout Scripture, but really pronounced here in Hebrews. I need that reminder that the sin has been taken away. He paid for it. There's no more payments to be made. I'm free and clear. I have a free and clear title. (laughs) Never mind, that's a different uh, analogy for a different time. But he paid the debt. There's nothing outstanding. He paid in full and it's finished. There's nothing more that I can do. No more sacrifices need to be made. And certainly the the guilt, which we're going to talk about, that's taken away too, completely taken away. This life-changing truth, let me just say it like this, will set you free from the devil's domination vis-a-vis guilt and condemnation. That's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about today. And I want to share with you three absolute truths from our text that when applied will crush the enemy instead of being crushed by the enemy. Don't let him get away with that anymore. Here's the first one, and it's a biggie. They're all biggies, but it's in verses 1 through 7. Satan reminds, but Jesus forgets. The writer of Hebrews continues to draw upon the prophetic fulfillment 
of the finished work of Jesus Christ as the sacrifice for all our sins and the reminder of the guilt of all of our sins. Isn't it true that Satan's right there always reminding you? Oh, you know, we, we just got done reading with the, the priest, the annual reminder of sins. Annual? How about hourly? The enemy's right there reminding me of my sin. Why? Because he wants me to live under condemnation and guilt. And what happens when that happens? Isn't it true that we find that, oh man, I, I need to do something about that. He just reminded me of that. And so all of a sudden now I leave the arena of done, 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 and I'm back into the arena of do, do, do. There's no longer this annual reminder on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, that one day of the year, when they were reminded of the guilt of sin, which necessitated the high priest continually offering sacrifices for sin. See, prior to Jesus being sacrificed once and for all, sins were never taken away permanently. They were only covered temporarily, kufar in the Hebrew. They weren't cleansed, they weren't removed, they were just covered temporarily. In other words, we'll get back to you on this one. When? Well, once a year on Yom Kippur. Really? Yeah, I don't want to be reminded of that. And Satan's right there to remind me of that. And then Jesus comes and says, no more reminders. I don't remember that. I remember your sins no more. So instead of remembering your sin, remember the Son. Every time we partake together of the Lord's table, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, the uh, account we affectionately refer to as the Last Supper. You know what the key word in this is? It's the word remember. What am I to remember? Oh, don't remember your sin. Remember Jesus who paid for the sin. That's what you're to remember. His body broken for you, His blood shed for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So here's what that looks like. The enemy's right there, puts that thought, reminds you of that sin, and you're just mortified. And, oh. and here's Jesus gone. forget about it. Not like that, but you get the point, right? And then, and then when, when we pray, oh Lord, I'm so sorry. What are you sorry for? When I, when, remember what, oh, I forgot all about that. You just reminded me. No, he remembers them no more. He removes our sin, removes, not covers, removes our sin as far as the east is from the west because there's power in the blood. That blood of the Lamb that was poured out for you and me is so powerful that it could take away the sins of all mankind and remember them no more. That's power. That's power. 
And Satan doesn't want you to know that. Because he knows that if you know that, it's game over for him. He no longer can condemn you and accuse you. Because that's his sole purpose. I'm getting ahead of myself, so let's move on to number two. It's in verses 12 through 18. Satan accuses, Jesus forgives. Here the writer reiterates everything he's explained, commencing in chapter 7, actually from chapter 7 through chapter 10, verse 18, he's been explaining all of this in detail concerning our superior high priest, Jesus. In other words, when Jesus offered himself for all time, one sacrifice for all sins, he sat down at the right hand of God because it was finished. What's finished? The work. What work? Oh, we've got sins to pay for. I paid for them. They're forgiven. Oh, come on, not so fast. Too good to be true. Well, God is too good, and God is true. All my sins are forgiven? Yeah. So I don't need to do anything anymore? No, it's already been done. It's already finished. So I really messed up this last week. I blew it again. Man, I can't keep going back and asking God to forgive me again. I mean, I even made a vow to God. I even promised him, God, I'll never do that again. By the way, whenever you do that, I'm sorry for pointing, I'll I'll do this. (laughs) Whenever anyone does that, how's that? I just, I picture the Lord in heaven and go, don't do that. (laughs) Yes, you are. You are going to do it again. But I got it. I paid for it. Wait, (laughs) you mean if I sin again, it's already paid for and I'm already forgiven? Yes. Can you imagine you sin and again? No, not again. Yes, again. And you go to God and you ask for forgiveness and and then God responds with something like, you did that again? How many times have I told you? I've had it up to here with you. No. God's not surprised. Yeah, but I, I... I can't believe I did that again. Oh, I didn't know that you were trying to achieve sinless perfection, this side of glory. Oh, let me, let me see if I got this straight. You, maybe you're one that wants to get to that place where you can say, well, I have no sin. I have arrived. Oh, so John said, if anyone says that, they're a liar, and the love of God is not in them. I think we do err greatly. And, and I know 
what you're thinking, because I can read minds. I'm getting some, something over here on this side. No, I'm kidding. I can't read your minds. Uh, <laughs> I know what you're thinking, though. Pastor, with all due respect, if you tell people that all of their sins are forgiven, they're just going to sin with impunity. Doesn't work like that. Here's how it works. You sin, and then God in His grace and His mercy and His love forgives you of that sin. That does something to you. I'm forgiven? Yeah. Yeah, but that was really bad. I know. <laughs> I, I forgave you. I paid for that. Do you want to see the invoice? It says paid in full. It's stamped with my blood. I paid for it. He must really love me. You think? <laughs> Romans 2.4 says, it's the kindness of God that leads a man to repentance. When you've tasted of that cup, and you've been on the receiving end of God's forgiveness and His grace and His mercy, who wants to sin against that? I don't want to do anything that would grieve the heart of God. It has the opposite effect. When you've been forgiven of sin, you will never want to sin against love. Love covers a multitude of sins. Okay, are we okay so far? So now what do I do when I sin? You said it's done, so there's nothing to do. First John 1 John 1.9. It's been referred to as the Christian bar of soap. I love this verse. I own this verse. So do you too, so don't look at me all spiritual. The Apostle John says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, stay with me on this. That's a pretty good deal. Because if I'm reading this right, all I have to do is confess, and He'll forgive and cleanse. Where do I sign? See, the forgiveness is instant. Oh, sorry. <laughs> For, yeah, yeah. So you can't ever sleep and take a nap uh, here. You can after. <laughs> Um, and by the way, if you do nod off, don't worry about it. That's not a problem. The problem would be if I nodded off during my own sermon. That would be a problem, but I digress. The forgiveness is instant. But the enemy is right there going, I don't know, this might take a couple days. You might want to lay low. That was really bad. You know what? I would keep my distance right now. I would just kind of lay low and I wouldn't pray right now. Just wait. And I sure wouldn't go to church. Oh my goodness, if the person sitting next to you knew, don't look at the person sitting next to you. He got you. See, we only need to be in that state for as long as it takes to get to the cross. For that sin was paid for in full. Forgiveness awaits instantly. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout much of this book, Jesus is mentioned as the great high priest. Aren't you glad that you can go directly to him with your troubles? There's no need for an intermediary person to bridge the gap. Jesus became that bridge when he died on the cross. If you'd like to know or understand more about this concept, we encourage you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com and look for the resources tab. Under that, there's a link to the ABCs of salvation. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and saves you from a life and eternity without him. Hebrews simply touches on the fact that Jesus fulfilled all the things that were promised in the Old Testament. It's like when you're reading a spy novel and you're given clues earlier on, but then it all makes sense in the end. Would you like to connect with others in their faith walk? If you're not currently part of a church, join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30, 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you might be interested in some additional teachings by Pastor J.D., including his Mideast Prophecy Updates. This is an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this current time in the world's history. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition as we learn more valuable things from the book of Hebrews right here on In Spirit and Truth.